Good morning Europe, your Gaia X updates, live from London, by the Uptime Punks and Echo. Good morning, Europe, again. And again, we have Andreas Weiss and Amanda Brock on the lovely panel. And it is a real pleasure to um, yeah, get through some updates, maybe vent uh, about a couple of things and just... Um, I think we need to vent about a couple of things because a couple of things yeah. actually happened. And it wasn't Dundee this time. No, it was Andreas. <laughs> Let's um, get right into it. Andreas, <laughs> what was... What was what was going on? What yesterday? happened last night? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I assume you're referring to my post in LinkedIn as a reaction on a uh, on a news which has been published by the German Handelsblatt uh, related to Gaia X. Um, uh, as part of the update, I, I will talk about this later. We just released the so-called policies and rules document uh, on behalf of Gaia X which is an update and the version 321. Um, and uh, in this uh, document, well, it was clear that we have to outline some of the key high level principles and how to mandate those who want to be part of the Gaia-X ecosystem. And uh, this document has also been shared with uh, one of our data privacy authorities and uh, probably you're aware that we have just 17 of them in Germany. Uh, and this was a guy out of uh, Hamburg, uh, Mr. Kasper. <laughs> and his reaction, or at least he was cited in the Handelsblatt in a sense, well, um, this document or the policies and rules are to some extent too weak because they are just referring to the GDPR. Um, and some other things. And then I said, holy shit, um, <laughs> what, what else can we do then to refer to the regulation? And uh, uh, what are you expecting from Gaia X or by Gaia X? Because this is really the best approach we can do to keep a clear reference to the EU regulation and to the laws which are exposed by those guys who are now complaining that we are referring to them. And uh, this uh, caused a slight bit of anger on my side, uh, <laughs> even together with the statement, well, there's nothing to exclude uh, uh, providers according to the Cloud Act, which is the second nonsense here, because Gaia-X is not here to overrule the EU Commission, because this is on their hand to provide sound uh, references and sound uh, clarification how to deal with this Cloud Act. And by today, well, although there is this uh, Max Schramm's X uh, uh, discussion, um, I already posted something like this uh, during April 1st uh, that we have to expect at least four or five further follow-up agreements without any changes because the EU Commission is not capable to provide appropriate means how to coordinate the data transfer 
in respect to uh, foreign regulation, because this is what we are talking about at the end of the day. And this is not something which should be fixed by GAIAX. And just one more aspect also to our German uh, data <laughs> privacy authorities. We are working since four years to provide a very good and very clear cloud assessment in terms of the GDPR. This is our so-called auditor project. We are waiting for years for any response, uh, for any commenting on the on the on the catalog, and to get some clarification. What exactly shall we do in terms of precise assessment to award any of the cloud services to be GDPR compliant? And they simply do not provide any guidance on this. They do not even provide any feedback. Uh, nor on the German side, nor on the EDPB side, uh, which is the next entity, because beside Article 42 with certification, we still have the threat uh, to, to provide evidence with a code of conduct, according to Article 40. Three code of conducts are presented to this board and nothing has been yet clarified. So we have simply the situation they are complaining that cloud services are not in compliance with GDPR, but they are not capable to discuss appropriate means in terms of assessment and certification to move forward. And this is something, this is my catch 22 here. We try to provide something, uh, we don't get appropriate feedback, and then they are complaining that we are referring to their law, and this is not okay. So this, uh, uh, so I'm getting puzzled on this really. It's, I think you have quite a Germanic problem here, Andreas, to be honest. It's just that um, somebody has a paper lying somewhere on the desk that they haven't looked at yet. And the guy sitting next to him on the next table is actually declining your request. Yeah. But question, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a customer, I'm a client. So what, what options do I have right now? What, what can I do? Um, with, with, with all this mess well uh, on behalf of the customer the customer is always the one who's getting who is in charge to take care about gdpr of course right uh, since uh, since uh, gdpr we have of course a, a separation of uh, of ownership uh, also the cloud service provider and this is really what is in scope for me is also obliged to provide appropriate uh, activities to support and to be in compliance with the GDPR, which is, of course, a good thing. But at the end of the day, as a client, you, you, you have to provide some evidence that you took this exercise seriously, that you did everything to clarify uh, the, 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 the level of, uh, uh, of uh, 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 clarification to keep the uh, the the private data secure and to uh, that you finally did all you could do uh, to reduce risk for any disclosure or any access to the data and so on and so forth. And therefore, of course, certification is a very good instrument to mm -hmm. show here. I asked my uh, data processor, and this might be then the cloud provider, what he did in terms of being compliant with the GDPR. And this is here the assessment. And beside this, I have to do my homework to clarify why do I process data with this third entity or third party? Why uh, do I, what are the uh, uh, the activities to, to protect the data and to have a clear uh, um, 
communication, why we are processing personal data with third parties. And of course, you have to take care about the assessment. Is the data processed in a region which is agreed according to the GDPR? And therefore, we have, for example, the privacy skilled to work with US-based uh, companies and to allow them also to see them as a as a safe harbor. This was a wording before. Um, <laughs> and uh, and the, all these has to be clarified. And uh, since we have this uh, uh, this trial with Schrems uh, and, and also the decision by the European Court, you have to also verify add-on that you have uh, a, a appropriate standard contract clauses in place as a as another justification to use for example non eu providers for your data processing so um, and and we can extend this discussion for the next 80 hours because this is a very complex uh, Amanda, term. but here gets I, yeah, I'm going to jump in on yeah, Amanda, that. Please, so, please. Yeah, yeah so with shrems it applies to the us only it does not apply to any other transfers outside of the EU. So the adequacy ruling was set aside for the US in Schrems. The UK is currently, as part of our Brexit and exit, going through getting an adequacy ruling. But Schrems didn't set aside that adequacy decision for other countries. So any country that already has an adequacy ruling can still rely on it. And the, the first REMS case set aside the model clauses that we all used to use. So then everybody shifted over to relying on adequacy. That's been set aside for the US as well. So if you're doing any transfers EU to US, whether that's intercompany or customer supplier, you have to go through, um, I would say, an audit process where you can demonstrate, as well as having your contract terms, you can demonstrate that you've created adequacy because the US per se does not have that now. And it's really down to their changes in law and their whole, uh, the requirements to hand over individual data to government in the US that, that really allowed for that change to happen. Is, is, is that what inspired you to to join Gaia X? No. <laughs> I mean, no, okay. I think uh, that's what's stopping her currently. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I want to say, um, in um, I, I, I liked what Andrea said that the European government is busy discussing and they can't get things together. I mean, it's not the only thing they failed in, Andreas. There's also something called a vaccine, um, but let's not put salt on the wound. Um, <laughs> Amanda, what inspired you to join Gaia X? <laughs> It's an interesting time, right? So we were exiting at pace last year. And obviously, we were going through all of the negotiations with Europe, our government was anyway. But whatever decisions they were going to come to, we are still in the UK, the EU's neighbours, we're still part of Europe. And I come from a tradition, at least of open source based on collaboration, that spans beyond geographical borders. So with the EU funding and building this, the, the, there's no reason in my mind that we shouldn't participate, right? Why would we not work with our neighbors? So, yeah, it's, but it's, in terms of GDPR, it, it, will this always work like it used to work? Or is there um, we don't know yet. It's dark one clouds of the, at the horizon already? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. So it's like uncharted territory. But how but do you deal we, with this uncertainty? Right. 
Well, we obviously have GDPR and it, we spent millions, if not billions, implementing it across the UK business <laughs> sector. So sensibly, logically, one would not change it too much as it's quite a recent thing. We obviously are still working on that basis. They have given, I think in February, an in initial indication that we would get this adequacy ruling from Europe, but it hasn't been finalized yet. There are grumblings in UK Gov that things might change at our end, but if they do, then we'll have to re-establish adequacy. So there will be a huge pressure from business because it may not surprise you that there's quite a lot of money comes into the UK from processing EU data. So, you know, it's not something mm -hmm. that will just be done lightly. It's important to us. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a new law in the making or a new, yeah, a new law, an interstate uh, law. It's called UK uh, GDPR. Did it already come through or? So we, we have GDPR. Until we June, have there's, our... there's like a, <laughs> a grace period. And after that, yeah. what's coming? We, I think it's with the same existing. guy. Yeah, we have the same GDPR that we had before Brexit. It hasn't changed. Mm. We get the adequacy ruling to confirm as no longer being part of the EU, that it's safe to transfer data to the UK based on the laws we've got at the time. And then we just sit back and hope that too much doesn't change because that will cost business as we have to go out and manage it. So for us, we're also waiting on a data strategy in the UK that we've been waiting for a little bit of time for. And that's going to be fed to us piecemeal this year. So we, we have a little bit up in the air. Yeah. So that's your end, Amanda, right? The, the lack of data strategy in the UK because... <laughs> no, it sounds more like it's stuck with the same person in Brussels, like yeah. where Andrea's stuff is stuck. Yeah. So, so who's responsible <laughs> for being... Or who's the bottleneck currently? I don't know if it's a bottleneck. We have a Department of Culture, Media and Sport is where that comes from, DCMS. That's who are working on this policy for us. And they went to a consultation last September, which we responded to. And then they announced in January that they weren't just going to give us a single strategy. It was going to come out bit by bit. But we have the added complexity that we also have devolved nations. So we have Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales who also look at their own strategies. And this is quite new for us. So who knows how they're all going to interface with each other. So we have enough to keep us busy in the UK as well. Andreas can keep his European <laughs> strategy issues. Well, and, and besides this, even the, the parliament is now discussing this uh, adequacy agreement with the UK. And they are already trying to interfere this uh, negotiation. So, um, well, wait and see. So it's something we have to react on when there are any decisions. But... Uh, To be honest, we have the GDPR in place since 2016, so it's already half a decade and we still have not sufficient clarity on this topic. Uh, I hope there will be more clarity than with the poor fishermen who are allowed to um, fish mussels but not allowed to sell them. Um, which also doesn't really help them. So, uh, I haven't expected that the statement by the commission, uh, we will consider the GDPR in decades, was a, was a true story, but obviously it is. So we have to wait another five years until we get some clarification. <laughs> Any other updates? Something more pleasant? Maybe? Yeah, something on your chest. Some nice updates uh, around GaiaX. First of all, we have a new website, gaia-x.eu. And I think and it's a uh, nice, nice look and feel and a new logo. And uh, yeah. so things are doing. And the most important thing, 
Before we had just 22 members, now in GAIAX ASBL there are 234 members, which includes, of course, Open UK. Yes. Welcome, Amanda, to the ASBL. <laughs> Finally. Uh, <laughs> Finally. Uh, 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 I'm not yet sure if this is really fun, but at least you're a part of this group now. <laughs> yeah. I'll and, reserve my position on whether it's fun for now. And then, of course, we had all these uh, uh, complaints. Why the hell are there hyperscalers on board? Why are certain companies on board? Uh, let me just say 95% of the organizations in the RSBL are European associations and organizations. So there is a reasonable European footprint. And what is also even more impressive, 22% of them are startups or scale-ups. So there's also the engagement of SMEs, which is a very good sign that uh, uh, that we have a balanced approach and that we are really uh, uh, respecting the uh, the views of multiple companies and entities and associations which is a good thing for the for the further genesis of the ARSBL and uh, last week the new architecture document has been released which is the version 21.03 which already indicates there is a plant plant update every quarter so we will expect each quarter an update of the architecture and the current scoping is the conceptual model of Gaia-X uh, and the federation services. You probably heard about it, that there are some federation services in place. And uh, also an initial discussion how to build Gaia-X ecosystem, which is really important for all these emerging use cases where we have within Industry 4.0 and, for example, in Germany, uh, in Germany, the automotive industry with Katina-X or the data room mobility. So these are all the initiatives which are emerging now and uh, which is also a good thing. We currently, we are close to release the Federation Services Specifications number one, which are finalized now after the community review. And we are going to start the public tender for the implementation now in early May. And another impressive story is this German public tender for GAIA-X use cases. Uh, there's a submission deadline by 7th of May 2021 with planned project starts already this year in Q4. And there's a total volume of one, nearly 190 million euro to support around 15 to 20 projects. So I would say things are moving forward and straightforward in my point. And now we have this release or at least the internal release of the policies and rules document. Since today you had already this yeah. session with Thomas and Emmer on this topic. Um, so at least we are really delivering all the things we announced last year. Yeah, we will be going out in the next few days on the policy and rules document looking for participation in the UK from other organizations who are interested in being involved, trying to get some feedback from them as well as Open UK. So you think you're going to get much more participants in the UK than you had till now? Or what do you think is holding people back, like, from your point of view? I think there's a wait and see, right? It's always the same with something <laughs> new. And people are, you know, they always do. They wait to see what's happening. Uh, in the same way as we had to wait and see what was going on with Brexit, I think a lot of the people who've come through now and successfully got their membership actually applied a long time ago. So we've been talking to GAIAX for almost a year now in that application process, I think we'll probably see more membership as time goes by from the UK. And also as mm. the hubs develop, that will be an interesting piece. 
Yeah. So you're talking about hubs. So what, what's going to happen in these hubs which are being developed? So Andreas, you're probably better placed to talk about the hubs than me. Okay. Well, um, first of all, for me, hubs are the community groups where provider and user should come together. They, they should work on the real use cases and the requirements and uh, a good understanding about the market needs from the provider side and vice versa, what can be offered from the provider to the users. And uh, what we see right now, there is the initiation of hubs in a, in a joint public-private partnership with the government and uh, industry or, or uh, groups or associations. And we see this for each of the countries. Uh, so we have already 10 emerging hubs who are scoping on various topics. For example, in Germany, really about industry and, and uh, automotive. We see in Luxembourg a hub for space and finance. In the Netherlands, also industry, but also agriculture is a hot topic. Healthcare is a hot topic. So all these things are now popping up, which is also related to the strategy to build up data spaces. So there's a direct relationship. Where are the clusters for data spaces? Where are the key topics of the domains? And how to organize this interchange via a hub? Um, and uh, by now, there is a kind of, let me say, loose coupling between the hub and the ARSBL because it's not yet clearly uh, negotiated how to interact, what are the formal bodies on the ARSBL, and what is the commitment by a hub to move forward. And I think this is still a good thing uh, before we formalize everything, give it a little bit space to, to, to emerge, to, 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 to link people instead of talking about membership fees in the first hand, which is for me not a good thing. So um, uh, hopefully we, we have now this aggregation by hubs. And then during the time, during this year, we will see also a kind of mode how to interact. But before we discuss this, I think those cluster who are looking forward now to build up kind of GAIA-X community, they should have their own understanding. And then let's go from there. And uh, this is my, my clear understanding. And of course, this is also backed up now by this emerging IPSEI CRS. We, we talked already briefly. So this initiative by the member states to uh, invest into digital infrastructures and to uh, to enhance the outreach outreach of digital services up to the edge and into the field. And this is clearly aligned with this decentralized approach of GAIA-X. There are two different threads, but of course, same objectives at the end mm -hmm. of the day. And uh, this will probably mobilize up to 10 billion euro in Europe also to invest in digital infrastructures. I think if this happens in conjunction with GAIA-X and, and, and a common common understanding how to progress Europe in terms of being competitive in the digital age. These are the things which has to be orchestrated. Let me say some of the challenges we have to address during our journey to do something for Europe. And the hubs, are the hubs all different? I think my understanding of it is that the hubs aren't the same in every country. Is that right? No, uh, this is just, as I said, the initiation. It, it is good to have some governance support, but for sure, I think in the future, the hubs are more domain-oriented. Uh, so, so if you want to break the silos, and one of the silos are countries, uh, for example, this is a silo. 
So if you want to have a kind of cross-border association, if you want to interlink the economy, which are really close together, but unfortunately there's a border in between. So we, we, we need to interconnect them. So this is also why we already started a kind of initiative with the North Rhine-Westphalia to have a kind of regio task force on Gaia-X, because mm -hmm. we are very close to the Netherlands, to Belgium, to Luxembourg. So why, why don't we should consider only these artificial uh, uh, grouping by country Mm -hmm. uh, we should bring the people together and the, and the country and the, and the companies and the associations. So this is uh, worth to consider and which is, is not yet clarified. And uh, I, I tried to skip this very formal approach. No, we have to have an agreement up front and we have a contract up front and then you are allowed to use my logo. Um, well, uh, I don't like this approach. Bring the people together and let's go from there. So a new digital regionalism or... A... No, I think it's more like unification of the people. I hope but the I mean... uptime punks will never pay any... It's something we talked a lot about with Brexit, right? Where you're looking, and the same way as Europe has had its digital sovereignty, its data sovereignty sort of looks inward. You look inward to collaborate globally, right? So you still work on a world playing field, in this case, a European one, and then work across borders. And I think that's absolutely essential to this being successful is keeping that cross-border collaboration going I, th I think so too and this is also the european spirit bringing everybody together but amanda another question um <laughs> so if i'm okay no because for me the european spirit is everybody is the same we all come together under one mm -hmm. european flag basically there's no like germany uk ireland um Denmark, Sweden, we're all here together and trying to solve a problem. That's what Guy X is for me, Unified mm -hmm. Project. But if I'm a UK business, what is my interest in joining Guy X? Well, you're going to have to be part of that if you want to collaborate. So the, a lot of the workflows and the data flows are going to go through Guy X. So the, the UK will inevitably have a hub and that hub will interact with the hubs across Europe. And if you want to work in those data domains and you want to work in those clusters, partnering it's going to be an inevitability i think which is largely why we're at the table to to help facilitate that not for us per se but for companies within the uk so it's more like a peer pressure thing than almost that if you you have to become part otherwise you can't really you, you're not allowed to sit on the table and have food I don't think it's peer pressure. i don't think it's peer pressure i think it's hard business fact that if you want to collaborate with this you're going to have to go through the collaboration routes and that's what it's going to be yeah it's a step further. That, yeah, which makes sense because if you want to be part of a system, and this also makes um, comes to the next point, do you think the hyperscaler should be part of it or not? Do I? Yes, why wouldn't, do you. Why wouldn't they be part of it? I don't know, because that's the big discussion which is happening yeah, at but the moment. Why, why wouldn't they be part of it? It's logical. They've got a lot of... You have someone like Google that created Kubernetes. So one of the things they do beautifully is they create open source code to solve a problem they have and then share it. So I'm more concerned to see that Gaia-X doesn't reinvent things and uses existing code bases than to keep hyperscalers or anybody else out. And excluding people isn't usually a good way to create the best collaborative products. My full backup. 
<laughs> Did I answer your question for you, Andreas? <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, well, no, it's, uh, it's part of the reality. So come on. Yeah, just, um, all right. these hyperscalers are there because they are offering good services. And uh, um, always saying, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about this, uh, to, to narrow down the offering to such a few uh, service providers, as well as um that we need this level of openness and this is not by default with the hyperscaler and also the complexity is we are not addressing the cloud space um uh, recently i had a discussion with uh, with switzerland about sovereignty and then there was a guy from aws and he uh, 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 said now we will have an offering in 2022 solely for switzerland and uh, then everything is fine i said well um, we still haven't clarified how to deal with data ecosystems and how to uh, assess where are data stored and where are data procured and so on and so forth and he said but you can use encryption everything is fine I said this is bullshit uh, you might secure uh, the data on a storage later, but at, when you have to process the data, then you have to decrypt it. And then you need to have this level of clarification. And uh, uh, so they have to also to learn to understand what are the challenges if you're really talking about data infrastructures and this combined approach. They put all the effort for years to separate themselves from the data to say, well, we are just a service provider. You're just infrastructure service and uh, you have to take care and you can encrypt and whatever but this is not the solution we are aiming for gaia x so there is a different level of complexity and so we have to discuss it but of course we we have to discuss it also with the hyperscalers and there's still the invitation to be part of this gaia x ecosystem but probably not all of their services can be applied if you want to have this highest level of gdpr compliance for example or if you are scared about the cloud act, but this is a decision by the customer. This is not on Gaia X to exclude or include someone. Uh, we, in the first hand, we have to provide the transparency for self-determination. So this is really my understanding here. So I'm, I'm, I'm hearing like, I, I maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing out here is also the kind of notion that you hope to maybe educate the hyperscalers by having them joining, Edu not educate, but kind of try to show them the right way uh, in terms of uh, European values and that by joining IAX, they will learn how to deal yeah. with European but, values. Yeah, but I think... Sorry, I, I, I'm a bit but trying can, can to I simplify, add to this but... Can I yeah. add to this one? Let me put yeah. some salt on this one. My issue with the hyperscalers is really that they're too far away from reality and they're very unapproachable and it's uh, i feel like sometimes they think like they're living in their own universe um this is just what i want to throw out here because we had for example a net zero sustainability summit last week and i tried to get all the big players on it and everybody to mm -hmm. come and talk and everybody was there except for one company and that one company sends me an email the day before and says why are we not speaking we're the biggest in net zero and sustainability I replied, your entire PR team was contacted and said it's not relevant. I think I think Paul's wielding the knife now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 I think I think the hyperscalers need a reality check yeah, and all these big tech companies should look a little bit more into the market and see actually what is needed. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but but my question is, do you think it is it is it is it is right if I say that maybe there's kind of a hope of educating them, if, even if educating sounds a bit patronizing for well, such yeah, use? Uh, it's not on me to educate a, a billion dollar company how they have to drive their business for sure. Uh, it not, just, not the business, it's, but but yeah, implementing it here to certain principles. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the principles are on the table for years already. So it, it's nothing where we want to invent something new. This was always a clear statement. But in terms of resilience and in terms of participation of the European industry, also in part of the digital value chain, we, we need some uh, adjustment, let me say it this way. Um, my, my, my good sample is always... Uh, we have a group of cloud natives who are offering their services on top of their hyperscalers. And uh, when I see that the largest cloud native in Germany is, is, a, is around 100 to 150 people workforce, for me, it's a joke. If, if <laughs> this is really the largest uh, cloud native who is dealing with the hyperscalers and doing business, um, I don't get it. Uh, so so we, we need a more balanced approach and we need also to keep the innovation in Europe, to keep the competencies in Europe. And this is, can only be done by participation of the startups, of the scale-ups, mm -hmm. because they are really driving innovation. I just recently had a chat with uh, um, and Andrea Wagon from the European Championships or, uh, and, and uh, she also said, well, we are interested in GAIA-X because this is, gives us also a different level of participation. For example, if a, if, if a startup is uh, showing his new service uh, in front of Volkswagen or, or uh, uh, Banque Nationale Paris, I think the first question they have, well, can we rely on you, who you are, and uh, what is about ISO 27001 and all our regulation around the banking sector and so on and so forth, and they are naked in this term. So they, can, they are never capable to provide their services by themselves, but if we interconnect those major providers who are really capable to show such an evidence with, with the startup and scale-up community, I think we, we, we can change a little bit this level of perception by the large company uh, because they are capable based in a GAIA-X ecosystem to provide reliable and major services together. This can be one, I cannot mandate it. And in this sense, also the hyperscalers have to learn where we, we are, we are federated and we are looking for participation. And if this is not offered, and if, if you keep the silos, because each of the hyperscalers are a silo by themselves, although they are offering open interfaces, um, it is very hard to, to move, to migrate from hyperscaler to hyperscaler, or even to interconnect hyperscaler services for uh, distributed business processing. And uh, this is something we have to stress. And, uh, we, we, we will listen carefully what is their offering and of course they try to align uh, but uh, beside this we need uh, more more variances uh, in, in the offering and more options and uh, this is more or less the story around GAIA-X from my point of view.
Okay. Amanda, where would you like to see Gaia X in one year? And then we will come to an end. <laughs> where <laughs> would I like to see Gaia X in a year? Yeah, I'd like to see it up and running. I'd like to see hubs and countries. And I'd like to see work going through the system of Gaia X across Europe. Businesses interacting across that data platform. And what do you think is the biggest challenge they still need to overcome in the next 12 months? I think the first challenge is the policy consultation they're out to now. And then I think the infrastructure and ensuring that they're they're reusing enough open and not recreating things is going to be really important to them. Okay, that's great. And Andreas, we're still on for our deadline in October for the platform, right? <laughs> there's no there's no single platform. As I said, uh, GaiaX is obliged to provide the tool set for federations. And uh, well, uh, it, it, we are just procuring here. We just to try to expedite the process. But uh, there are also some parties who are changing this in a quite lengthy process. Uh, but I'm still optimistic. We are capable to show something tangible within this year. Oh, that would be great because you're going to get a call from me on All Saints Day asking you what happened <laughs> on 1st of October. Yeah. But yeah, um, I want to thank the both of you for coming on air here and speaking a little bit about controversial stuff about Gaia X. Um, if you want to know more about Amanda, we have done an episode with her before and the same, um, well, Andreas, he's um, our regular here, I guess. Um, but if you want to know more about Andreas, you can find him as well in some episodes before. So thank you, both of you, and um, enjoy the lovely weather because it, the sun is coming out, summer is coming, vaccines are coming. Um, we did an episode last week with IBM. The passport is coming to Germany in three weeks. So this <laughs> means people like Andreas, if they're vaccinated. Seriously? Yes. Um, the episode is coming out this week. I'm going to send you the link, Amanda. But you're actually getting a pass. You're having vaccine passports. That's been a great yes. ceremony. Interesting. Yes. I, will send, I will send you the link. It's not official. Yeah. Yet. I'm not even allowed to talk about this, actually. Yeah, the... cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> You're disclosing everything here. Well, oh, it's <laughs> fine. It's okay. No, but oh, wow. um, yeah, because um, basically um, IBM, they, they were so kind to let us spread the news first. So yeah, there's going to be a passport in about three weeks' time. And in Germany will be the first one because some European countries said they're not interested as usual. Um, yeah, okay. So in Germany, it's very religious. You have this yellow little booklet from the day you're born. So I still have my first one. It's like a Bible, you know, when you get your first communion. Are you serious? You, you keep it for the rest of your life. Like a vine has oh, my out, Yeah. So it, first, you your first... do not even exist without this book in Germany. You don't <laughs> yeah. exist. I've never seen one. I was just looking. My wallet's you're not just way aware. Yeah. <laughs> We have it a blue apart. card. So they've yeah. given us a blue card when you have the vaccine. And they're like completely paranoid that you do not lose this card. They tell you to take a picture of it because you're going to need that for yeah. your vaccine. They don't say because you're going to need it for the passport because we haven't signed up yet. Yeah, so basically in um, in Germany, when you're born, you get a little yellow booklet. It's, it's a typical German, Germanic way of doing it. And throughout, I, I think like my mother even has her first one still. It's like falling apart, you know. And like since you're a baby, every vaccine you get a little stamp in it, you know, and the doctor really? signs next to it, and yeah. you get a pack of gummy bears when you get the vaccination done. Okay. And basically, they realized now that's not really COVID friendly. So um, IBM basically already years ago started like to basically prepare something which yeah. replaces the yellow booklet. Yeah. And now with the vaccine being rolled out, they basically have the software ready. But there's a big mm -hmm. like 
there's a big like controversy about it because they're getting paid per patient. Wow. And so this is, anyways, you, you guys going to hear it soon. And um, I can't know. believe that that's the controversy, how they're getting paid and not that you're having to be. No, so, 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 so basically in Germany, they're it comes down privacy to. privacy one, right? Yeah, but so the data privacy is like bulletproof. It's amazing the way they made yeah, it. Okay. But of course, people are saying the big tech giant from America is coming and grabbing. I'm getting your data. The, yeah. No, not the data, money. Because they're getting paid for each record. So they're, every they're person not. that gets vaccinated, they get money for it. They're not. Yeah, but they're actually not. So it's like a, it's sort of like a MythBuster episode about the COVID vaccines. And don't people have problems with the concept of passport? Is it is it obligatory? Do you have to have oh, this? Germans love it. German okay. loves to get stamps, the little stamps, yeah. and right. like little. Uh, it's not like the Brits. That's why in yeah, the UK it's you entirely the opposite. Yeah, you don't even have an identification card, no. but in Germany, you're 18 years old, you must get the card, otherwise you're not a German citizen. But um, yeah, anyhow, thank you, both of you. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to the next update about Guy-X, and uh, be safe and take care. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Good morning, Europe. Your Gaia-X updates, live from London, by the Uptime Punks, and echo. <laughs>